الحمد لله وكفاه وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أجيب دعوة الداعي إذا دعان سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم When we talk about communication it's difficult to communicate with something that is different than us For instance for us as human beings um, we can't really communicate with animals our language is different and although there is some communication that can occur it's, we can't just begin to speak with it and it completely understands what we want it to do right with rare exception uh, we can't interface with inanimate objects metal computers I mean in order to be able to sort of interface you have to code a language that can help us communicate with something that's so different than us because in general um, the, the more different something is than us the harder it is to be able to interface or communicate um, even if you look within the ranks of human beings uh, you know it's difficult for me to communicate with someone that may be of a different level or rank than I am in so I mean I've given this example multiple times before but yes I'm sitting with all of you here and I can communicate with you uh, and if I have a friend or a colleague somewhere else, I can pick up the phone or I can somehow message them and get a hold of them. But if I want to reach someone who has a particular, let's say, political status or has some other status in society, maybe they're a famous athlete, maybe they're a celebrity, um, even though we're both human beings, uh, even though we're both you know, created uh, of similar components, we're sustained in the same way, uh, we still have a hard time reaching them. And I can't just pick up the phone and, and call the president and say, let's, let's have a chat. So even within the ranks of human beings, there's this difference uh, and this inability to communicate the way I would like to freely communicate. And what's unique about our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that despite the significant difference in so many ways between us and Allah, Allah ta'ala still maintains a connection with us such that we can communicate with him as freely as we would like whenever we would like. I mean, I don't even have to use a device to be able to speak with Allah. I don't have to, you know, type out some code in order to be able to interface with Allah. When I want, when I desire, I can raise my hands or I can keep them down and I can begin to converse and immediately have a very intimate conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But look at, I mean, look at Allah, right? I mean, his rank is different. His status is different. He's the creator. We're created. He's the one who sustains. We need to be sustained. He's the one who has established all dominion and leadership on this earth and we are just subservient uh, to him and, and to so many other things. Uh, I mean, in any, uh, in any other situation, we would say there's no way that we as human beings should be able to communicate with something so different than us. Right? The Quran mentions, There's nothing like Allah. And yet, despite our differences, and despite the substantial differential that's present between us and Allah in every which way, shape, and form, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still has kept it so easy for us to be able to call upon Him. Literally, if I just want right now, I can face the qibla and I can begin to communicate with my Lord. 
and I can say whatever I want to him, I can ask from him whatever I want, and he's more attentive than even a human being will be. You know, it's funny, sometimes when people even talk to me, within a, you know, maybe a couple of minutes, the, this happens at work, I quickly lose attention. And the, the, the people that work with me know that if they have to talk to me about a patient, you've got about 30 seconds to tell me the most relevant information. But beyond that, I, I have like this inattention. And, and, but, I mean, and that's you know, me interacting with another human being. Um, imagine Allah, you begin speaking to him, and for the 30 seconds or 5 minutes or let's say 3 hours that you want to converse with him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fully attentive to every single moment of that. And not, not, not even just fully attentive, fully responsive to every moment of that. Meaning, that conversation where I'm presenting my case or my request before Allah, that entire time Allah Ta'ala is attentive, He's aware, He's listening, He's responding, He's um, blessing me because of that action in and of itself. Uh, and then He's accepting in some way, shape, or form whatever requests or you know, uh, favors that I've, I've asked of Him. And this is all happening in this conversation with Allah. You know, this is, this is the reason that people of piety in the past would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning and they would just start conversing with Allah because they couldn't get that sort of attention anywhere else. It's difficult to get that degree of attention, responsiveness, um, anywhere else. Everyone else fades away. You try, I mean, if, if I was to talk right now to all of you for the next three hours, I don't think you would be able to consume everything. In fact, I don't think most of you would still be here. You'd walk out. Not with Allah. Not with Allah. So, and, and, and so this whole sort of conversation with Allah that can occur at any point in time outside of salah is what we call dua. Is what we call dua. And that's the reality behind what dua is. Now, uh, some of you may have been here this weekend for the, for the uh, i'tikaf retreat. And we spent a lot of time talking about some of the more, I guess you could say, higher principles pertaining to dua. Because we sometimes think of it in a very simplistic form, which is, I need something, I raise my hands, I ask Allah, I blow on myself in my face, and then I moved on. Um, but we learned from, from the people of taqwa and of piety of the past that dua is so much more than that. The Prophet said in a hadith uh, that we've referenced before, that dua is the core of worship. Now, many people take that to mean, this is, this is from hadith, many people take that to mean that it's um, one of the uh, essential sort of f- f- ways by which a person can connect with Allah. Um, but the people of, of taqwa recognize the reason it's at the core of worship is because this is now my opportunity to interface with a much higher being than anything else I'm, I'm usually interacting with. Like, that's why it's the crux of worship. It's now me without any roadblock, any barrier, any separation, any veil, besides maybe just my eyes, without any veil, me being able to communicate with Allah Ta'ala. And that's the, the crux of worship. I mean, that opportunity that's there, this is why it's mukhul ibadah. In fact, in another narration, the Prophet actually says, that dua itself is ibadah. It's ibadah. Because, again, ibadah is when we are doing something for the sake of Allah a dua is when we are communicating directly with that being that we've dedicated so, uh, all of our life to. So, when we're talking about making dua, there's just two, um, you know, th- there's two things that I just want to highlight today. The first is that 
when we're making dua, there's two components of dua. One is to be able to just praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that conversation. And the second is to ask from Allah ta'ala whatever we need. And both are essential components of dua. I think the first one we tend to de-emphasize, and our emphasis is a bit more on the latter, which is, you know, what do I need and what can I ask from Allah? When for many people of piety, the du'as, the, the, the emphasis of the du'a was the ability to speak with Allah and praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thank Him. So this is something that we should also bear in mind, that when making du'a to Allah, it's completely acceptable. In fact, it's in, in encouraged that we begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that praise is in the form of raising His name, mentioning His attributes, but also beginning by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything He's done for us. Right? Whether it be our faith, whether it be our taqwa, whether it be our iman, our health, our family, our ability to even speak His great name. All of us should make it a habit that we spend some time just speaking with Allah and praising Him and thanking Him for the circumstances that He's placed us in. This should be a daily habitual practice of all of us. Right? And then the second component is to ask uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what we're seeking. And that's something that we also do. And the reason we do it is because there is no being, there is no individual, no nothing that can actually facilitate anything for us except that it comes from Allah. So why look anywhere else except from Allah? Yes, there are of course intermediaries. There are middlemen that sort of facilitate things. If I need a car, there's a dealership. And then that dealership, and then that comes from a, uh, from a manufacturing plant. The manufacturing plant has people that... Were, there's all these middlemen in between, but ultimately that gift of a vehicle is coming from Allah. If I have health, yes, it's coming because I have organs that are beating and I have organs that are moving blood around and moving uh, you know, nutrients around. But ultimately, all of those are occurring under the command, the, the, the precise, precise command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it makes sense, it makes perfect sense that when I'm in need of something, the one being that I'm going to turn to is going to be Allah. So, a dua umukhul ibadah, that dua is the crux or the core of worship, suggests to us or it tells us that this needs to be a regular habitual practice for us, just like salah is, just like fasting is, just like uh, you know, any other act of worship is. It shouldn't, we shouldn't exempt ourselves from this. And dua is not going to be limited to, I pray my fard salah, as soon as it's done, I recite my rabbana atina, I blow it on myself, and then I move on with life. That's there as well, and that's from the sunnah. But in addition to this, in addition to this, dua is a conversation with Allah. And look, the reality is, um, when a person begins to make dua in their own language in particular, it almost becomes an exercise and a practice by which I improve in the way I approach Allah. Right? Like, if I... Look, okay, you know, I have a, a job interview, for instance, coming up. Sometimes I'll sort of practice behind a mirror. I'll practice behind a wall. Sometimes I'll have someone sort of... And I'll do this sort of rehearsal. Um, we are all going to converse with Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. It's going to happen, right? We're all going to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're going to have some conversation with Him. And on that day, we're probably going to be begging for Allah's mercy as well, right? We're going to be begging for Allah's mercy. We're going to be begging for His forgiveness. We're going to be begging that He just overlook whatever crimes we've done in our life. So it, it makes sense that we begin the practice of this in this world so that maybe we'll be a bit more comfortable with it in the akhirah. You know, it's like a, it's a familiar conversation. Now, in this world, we don't have the stress and anxiety of the Day of Judgment. So it's a little bit more comfortable when we're beseeching Allah. 
that'll be a lot more stressful on that day. And if I just show up, having never had an intimate conversation with my Lord, you know, what will that day be like? And if I just show up to Allah, and Allah Ta'ala is now ready to converse with me, and, uh, you know, the question comes, like, where was this conversation when you were in this world and alive? You know, what will I have to say? So dua is powerful. It's a tool. It's something that we, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a rehearsal uh, in this world for the conversation that we may have to have with Allah in the hereafter. So that first principle is a dua umukhul ibadah. The dua is worship. It's a conversation that I have with Allah and it should be part and parcel of our daily routine just like salah is, just like Quran is, just like brushing our teeth is, just like eating dinner is. Just as those are so ingrained in our routine, all of us should have at least a couple of minutes. I mean, it doesn't have to be 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but at least three or four minutes where we just sit quietly ourselves, face the qibla ideally for the purposes of adab, and then just begin our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now there's one additional nuance, the second, that, that it's, it's interesting, regarding dua, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, in, it's narrated in hadith, it comes to both Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, it's very interesting. The Prophet says that when a person makes dua, when you make dua to Allah, that number one, you should be determined when you're, when you're making dua to Allah. Determined that this is going to be heard and accepted by Allah. Right? That's the attitude. It's not like this is a useless effort. Rather, this is going to work. This is from the Prophet directly telling us this. And then, and, and, so we, and so that's one component. We'll come back to that. And then the Prophet says later in the hadith, and don't say the following in your dua. Don't say the following in your dua. And he says, don't say, Allahumma in shitta fa'atlini. O Allah, if you want, then give it to me. If you want, then, then, then give this to me. A'atlini meaning give me whatever, whatever it is that I'm seeking. And he says, um, why? فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا مُسْتَكْرَهْلَ because no one can coerce Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's very, very, very powerful. He says, you know, when I say to Allah, when I say to, look, one, we learned the etiquette of approaching from this hadith. That is that when I'm, when I'm approaching Allah ta'ala in my dua, for whatever, you know, after I praise him, I thank him, and then I now sort of maybe transition into making those requests that I need from Allah, uh, I should be confident and determined that Allah Ta'ala is listening to me and he's going to be accepting this from me. That's the attitude of the believer from what the Prophet told us. And then he teaches us, number two, that we're reminded of how helpless we and everything else is with Allah. Because the Prophet is saying, don't say in your dua, oh Allah, if you want, then give me this. That's almost like I'm entitled to think that I have some authority over this relationship, or that anyone or any being has authority over Allah. <laughs> He's saying, no, don't say that because Allah Ta'ala, no one can coerce, and there's no need to even, even fiddle with this at all. No one can coerce Allah Ta'ala. You know, it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, if, if I commit a, a crime, I'm a high school student, and I, I don't know, I vandalize the school building, and I get caught. It's on camera, and I'm sitting before the principal's office. And, I'm, and now it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with, I'm not going to tell the principal, look, if you want, you know, uh, you know, let me go. I'm going to say, I'm so sorry. Please, 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 please let me go. I can't handle any punishment or anything that comes from this. Not, if you want, do this for me. It almost is like, if you want, do it, give it to me. It's not a big deal if you don't. No, it is a big deal. 
It is a big deal. Because if I've committed a crime against Allah, I should want that Allah Ta'ala completely forgive me and overlook my mistake. There's no, you know, I can go without this. You know, there's no I can go without this. If I commit a crime, you know, whatever, in general, any crime, and, and now, you know, the, um, it's, the evidence is out there, and now the jury is watching, uh, and they've seen the evidence, and it, it's very, I even pleaded guilty at this point, right, in a court. I've even pleaded guilty, the, the jury has already seen it, uh, and now it's time for sentencing. Uh, I'm not going to say, listen, you know, do whatever you want with me, or if, you know, if you'd let me go, that would be great. I'm going to say, look, I made a mistake, I'm really sorry, I was caught red-handed, I shouldn't have done this, please, please, please have mercy on me. That's going to be my attitude. So similarly with Allah, he's, the Prophet is highlighting that when we're making requests to Allah Ta'ala as well, you know, uh, the, the etiquette is that we are, not, we, we are, lo, we are uh, helpless without Allah. We are nothing without Allah. And so in that situation, or, or given that circumstance, or given that sort of differential, I should be begging from Allah Ta'ala. I should be begging from Allah Ta'ala because I know that that's what I need and if I don't get it I have no chance of survival without the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without the mercy of Allah so this is you know uh, this is just something to really think about and I, there's so many you know and obviously if, if you have, if the, the retreat we covered a lot more about dua and the etiquette and how to approach it um, but I just wanted to sort of close the loop on some of these principles so just to conclude that um Dua is a very unique opportunity for us to be able to interface with Allah. It's the fact that we, despite being so different than Allah, are able to communicate with Him in such an open and transparent way. When in so many other relationships or interactions between us and either people or animals or, or, or things, we just aren't able to interface in that way. Yet despite this difference, Allah Ta'ala has still given us the opportunity to interface with Him so seamlessly. And that's why Dua is the core of worship. And, and, and secondly, you know, dua is something that we should make as a part of our daily life. And I'm reminding myself first and foremost, the way we sort of instill so many other things in our life that we feel deemed to be essential, either, phys- either physically or spiritually, I mean, dua is a rehearsal. It's an opportunity to begin to converse with Allah Ta'ala in such a more meaningful way. And that conversation is going to happen. You know, it, whether we begin to start preparing for that conversation today or we wait, you know, until the day of judgment when it comes as a surprise for us. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, you know, there is a level of comfort I have to have with conversing with Allah. You know, it's, there's value in reading the du'as of others. There's value, of course, in reciting the du'as the Prophet taught us. But that's still not going to be my direct conversation with my Lord. And if this is the being I'm worshipping, I'm striving to please, I'm on a daily basis trying to live my every moment so that it reaches his, his pleasure, I mean, at the bare minimum, I should feel comfortable having a conversation with Allah. You know, um, we, earlier this year, um, when uh, we, had, we, had, we had taken a group for Umrah, and uh, one of the things that was apparent, and Umrah is basically an entire journey, or Hajj for that matter, the entire journey of Umrah and Hajj is what? It's basically me having a conversation with Allah Ta'ala through all of these steps and phases. Now, that conversation doesn't have to be from the tongue, but it at least has to be a continuous conversation from the heart. Um, so any, anyways, that's a separate point, but uh, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to become more consistent in making dua to Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to uh, 
uh, interface with him on a daily basis and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept uh, all of our supplications and teach us the adab of, of uh, calling upon him.